just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Next Level Guys Show podcast with your host, Ian Dawson Mackay. Today's guest is life coach and internet comedian, J.P. Sears. He describes himself as the author of the book, How to Be Ultra Spiritual, a YouTuber and a ginger. He's absolutely hilarious, but his videos really make you think and look at life. And you're guaranteed to improve yourself with some great laughs along the way. In this episode, we discuss how you can work towards being a complete man improve your emotions and listen to your feelings and your emotions to better your life and so much more but first a quick word about our affiliates next level guy has some amazing deals with some awesome companies to see the exclusive listener deals discount codes and special offers all you need to do is go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates that's www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates I'd highly recommend you pick up a copy of the Success Encyclopedia book, otherwise known as Tools of Titans, from Tim Ferriss. A subscription box of premium fitness apparel, you can get that from the good people at Gainsbox. And those awesome people at Audit.com make Alpha Brain, which I can't stop raving about. If you want to build muscle and learn to be great in the gym, you should check out The Lifting Lyceum by Greg Nichols and Omar Usuf. Or if you're more interested in coming better with the ladies, then you should check out The Natural by RSD Max. The links for these and so much more is available on my affiliates page, which again is www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. And now to the interview with JP Sears. I hope you enjoy. Hi JP, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Now for those people who don't know, imagine that you're meeting them for the first time in a bar and they ask you, what do you do? What do you say? Well, uh, first off, Ian, I would say it's nice to see you in this uh, vegan bar that's 100% gluten-free and doesn't even serve alcohol, only serves green juice. So nice to meet you here. And then I would also then say, like, what do I do? Uh, that's a great question. I'm not 100% clear on what I do anymore because that's – it's an ever-changing, uh, exciting um, evolution. So ultimately, the heart and soul of what I do is I, I, I connect and I create. And the, the intention with however connection and creation is expressed in my work is to ultimately help people live more meaningful lives and uh, be more connected to themselves. And in current ways that I go about doing that is I you know, make YouTube videos that uh, are typically parody videos that have underlying messages of self-awareness. I do a lot of speaking and performing at conferences and different shows and recently had a book that's come out called How to Be Ultra Spiritual. And, uh, you know, in the... So I think if I was trying to give a short answer, that would be it. And but in the the past, I for the past fifteen years, I've done one on one emotional healing coaching with people. But as of January, I 
uh, let that practice go uh, as there were just so many other wonderful opportunities coming up to entertain. So are life coaches a real thing? You know, how can somebody listening pick a good coach? How can it help them? And, you know, what are the sort of things that they should avoid? Yeah, is it a real thing? Uh, yes and no. I think it 100% depends on the life coach you're looking at uh, and and really where they're coming from. Uh, so first off, the term life coach, it can mean a thousand different things, which which kind of makes the 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 profession of life coaching incredibly ambiguous the word life coach almost doesn't mean anything because it can mean so many different things uh you know the way i approached life coaching was specifically with the emotional healing realm so it was very intimate working in the human heart with emotions and then you know on the other end of the spectrum other life coaches are uh, out there teaching people how to run their businesses uh, how to get rich. And I think on the shallow side, which are certainly the what I would call the the life coaches to avoid, the ones who are out to get rich by teaching other people how to get rich. I think that that represents the shadow side, uh, kind of like the shallow west end of the uh, profession. And in fact, uh, what was it about a year ago, I did a parody video on how to become a life coach where I played around with the shallow uh, aspects of life coaching that are disguised as deep, meaningful offerings, because I wanted to shine the light on uh, uh, sort of the, well, shine the light on the shadow of the industry so people can discover the shadow before they fall into it. Um, but with that said, I want to just say, like, I have a lot of respect for a lot of uh, uh, ways that people implement life coaching. I think the idea of having a coach for uh, various areas of our life really can exponential, uh, exponentiate our growth and uh, really genuine happiness. So, yeah, I, I know that's – like this is the the – day of ambiguous answers. I think that answer was a little bit ambiguous, but there's a lot to consider in the life coaching industry, in my opinion. So what do you think are the biggest issues facing modern men today? Is it our, our almost need to be offended by something and to be angry at something or something else to avoid really looking at our own lives and, you know, what would make us happy and going for those goals? You know, I think just the opposite. Uh, well, I, I think there's a lot of merit in what you just said, but uh, I'll get back to that in a second. But the first thing that comes up for me with men specifically, our biggest issue today is we're not soft enough, specifically in the vulnerable sense of being connected to our actual feelings and emotions. Uh, so I think being vulnerable is the greatest opportunity for men to grow uh, and honestly, I think women too. And I think, you know, when when we look at the idea of being too soft, that's not at all what I'm suggesting. I think being vulnerable, it, it's very different than being too soft. Like, oh, we can't take criticism or we get offended by everything. No, to me that when we're offended and we try to shut people down who say things that we're offended by, that's an unwillingness to be vulnerable. That's a mechanism whereby we're trying to avoid our real feelings 
you know, when we're becoming, you know, connoisseurs of outrage and we're not willing to hear different points of view. And if I get offended by someone that I need to start a lobbyist group to shut them down because how dare they have a point of view that challenges my life experience. So I think the more people are actually willing to feel their actual feelings that their body and heart generate, the more tolerable they are to other people, as in the less offended we get by everything. I personally think when we're offended by something, it's impossible to be offended unless we're feeling insecure about what's being talked about. So I think think a lot of times when people are uh, uh, unwilling to be vulnerable, they bump up against an insecurity. You know, I'm offended. So they feel the insecurity for a millisecond and then try to deflect from the insecurity because they're unwilling to feel their actual feelings and they get angry outward, offended outward at someone else. It's the perfect distraction so that we can stay blind to the real feeling of insecurity that's happening inside of us. So I personally think it's therapeutic to be offended if we're willing to look at what's been triggered inside of us when we're offended. That's a really great point. So how can we then become vulnerable and you know open to these kind of feelings? You know, How can somebody uh, listening start? I, I would say pay attention to two things. Either what offends you the most or what you take most seriously. So, you know, it's like listening, whether it's a politician or someone making videos or a a podcast host, not to point the finger at you, Ian. But, you know, like who, who do you think is most offensive? And then would you be willing to pay attention to them and ask yourself a question of radical self-responsibility of what's coming up for me about me asked another way is what insecurity of mine is coming up now that's the hard thing but it deserves we deserve to challenge ourselves to that it's easy to have a 3,000 page long story about why they're wrong and why they have no right to say this and that and why they're screwing up the world. Yeah, get that. That that story isn't what we're asking for. That's the easy part. We don't need to reinforce that. What we need to do is challenge yourself to a new level of consciousness, which is uh, consciousness of thyself. What insecurity in me is being brought up when I hear this person talk. That to me is self-responsibility, not victimhood, uh, pointing everything, all the stories are about them. Now that's making ourselves the victim when we vilify someone and uh, uh, only reinforce why they're wrong now. We need to consider what's being brought up in me. So it, that would be an exercise when when there's someone that offends us. And honestly, I think we all have someone that offends us. It's just a matter of can we recognize it? And then yeah, I ask the same way when we look at things we take most seriously in our life. It might be our finances. Our, it might be our job. It might be, you know, our, our status. So can we ask ourselves the same question? In that given area of my life, let's just say it's money. I take my money really seriously. What insecurity of mine 
is being triggered when it comes to money because the energy of seriousness, in my opinion, it's a fear-based mindset of control that comes up when we feel insecure about something. So why should we listen to our emotions? You know, what do they do and why should we pay particular attention to them? You know, do our emotion, in my opinion, do our emotions at times tell us something's not right here? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the lessons that our emotions will tell us. You know, if a situation's not right or, you know, a, a sense of self we have, it's like old and outdated, it's not right. But I think most of the time, our emotions are uh, an opportunity to connect deeper to the miracle of who we actually are. There's, there's a, um, a Swiss psychiatrist named Carl Jung. Uh, he died in 1963. So he's old, which means we can pretend he's super credible and noble, uh, which I think his work is amazing. But Carl Jung has said that our feelings are the language of our soul. It doesn't mean he's right. It just means he said it. But if we pretend that's halfway true for a second, that our feelings are the language of our soul, I dare say that could imply that when we connect more deeply to our feelings, we are connecting more deeply to who we really are. What Carl Jung would say is our soul. And I think one of the greatest uh, maybe the greatest form of suffering in this world is when we're disconnected from ourself. Uh, I think connection to ourself, it sounds abstract and, you know, kind of like airy, fairy, spiritual. Uh, yet I do believe that connection to ourself is what gives us inner satisfaction. It's what gives us a sense of meaning. It gives us a sense of life is really worth living. It's not some obstacle to survive, but it is a great gift that is really meaningful to live. Uh, I think, and then on the opposite, when we're disconnected from ourselves, so much suffering comes up. Uh, and, and it can make life seem like this chore, this obligation that we're struggling through to survive. And I would dare say when we're in that space, it's because we're very disconnected from ourselves. So say somebody listening to this is wanting to start to really listen to their emotions and feelings, to start going for that thing they really want in life. How do they start? Yeah, man, to me, like I'd love to create some grandiose uh, vision and then some magic formula that inevitably won't work to get you to that vision where you're just whoa, way connected to your life purpose and just living with passion all the time. Uh, but instead, I'd like to be practical. It sounds a little mundane, but here it is. I always invite people to start off with a simple body sensation meditation. I call it the FFF meditation, feel your freaking feelings meditation. So it would basically be you sit there for five minutes. You pick one body sensation that you're feeling. It could be like, wow, I have an ache in my leg or I feel tingling in my chest or tightness in my throat uh, or uh, like butterflies in my stomach. Just any body sensation, whether it's pain or pleasure, you pick that sensation and then you focus on it. You put your complete attention on it for five minutes and breathe. And that's it. 
So the reason why I really value that as a powerful place to start off is that's an exercise to strengthen very weak muscles. The muscles of feeling feelings, which are ultimately the muscles of being connected to ourself. So some people would say, well, Ian and JP, that sounds like a, a such an easy exercise. It's like, yeah, it is. But we need an easy exercise for a very weak muscle. You know, we, we go through our primary education, you know, in the Western world, these like tw- at least 12 years of primary education from ages five till 18, roughly. And that uh, five to 18, is that 12? That's probably more like 13 years of education. But anyway, my poor math aside, I didn't pay attention in school. But during that primary education, it's all left brain logical and education. Most of us don't even receive one hour's worth of feeling, emotional education, and therefore self-connection education. So we're dealing with very weak muscles that need to be strengthened. So if you went into the gym and you've never lifted weights before, it's a good idea to pick up the, the pink dumbbells that weigh two kilos each instead of picking up the 50K dumbbells. So the, to me, this is a this FFF meditation is a great place to start. Much like going to the gym once, it's not going to do anything for you if you do it once. But going to the gym regularly, now is when this really starts to strengthen our connection to ourself. So for me, that's what's very important about finding a sense of purpose and passion in our life. Purpose and passion, in my opinion, come when we're connected to ourself. And a lot of a lot of us kind of operate with the exact mindset of like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be connected to myself once I find purpose and passion. But I think no, we don't find purpose and passion until we are connected to ourselves. You know, purpose and passion—they sound glorious, and and like they are. They're really exciting. Uh, so it's like we want to bypass the mundane steps and land at the gr- glorious sort of heroic expression of connecting to ourselves, where we're living on purpose and feel wonderful passion on a daily basis, high energy, high vibe. But I, I, I don't think we can bypass it. I think we need to start where we're at. And if that's a mundane beginner level of connecting to ourselves even though it might not seem grandiose because it's mundane. But I think we deserve to start where we're at, even if it's with the mundane. And honestly, the mundane of like, okay, I feel my stupid body sensations. That's where we all begin. It really is, in my opinion. Now, you touched on passion there. And something a lot of guys struggle with is to find something that they're truly passionate about in life. You know, we have people who are passionate about, say, a local football team, but nothing actually about, you know, in their own lives. How can somebody learn what the real passion is and build passion in their life? Yeah, I love the question. I love you. You bring up like people can be passionate for the the football team, and it's like, yeah, of course we can. But that probably no one ever said my life purpose is to support this football team. Yeah, so we probably have deeper passions. You probably have a greater purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, the team better never lose. You know, I, I think we're all here for 
a reason and a, a question that I would invite us all to start asking ourselves so we can become more calibrated with our purpose, our true deeper passion about what our life's really about, is we ask, like, what do I stand for? What do I stand for? Why am I here? And what am I in service to? To me, those are three questions that all point in the same direction, but I, I offer it three different angles. What do I stand for? Why am I here? What's my life about? What am I in service to? So to me, asking the question is what's most important. We don't need to work like if we don't have the answer to the question, that's fine. Ask the question. It's scary to ask a question that we don't know the answer to. And then the answer to this question, it might take a year. It might take 10 years. It might take 20 years before we even have half a clue how to formulate an answer. Yet I do know we'll never find the answer and we'll never be able to live the answer until we have the courage to ask the question that we don't know how to answer. What do I stand for? What am I in service to? Why am I here? And then along with that question, Ian, here's another delusional opinion of mine. Passion is an energy that's already inside of us. How can we unleash it? So why I say that is I think a lot of times we create a self-limiting belief that says I need to find something to be passionate about in order to have passion. But what if this is one of the cases that it's the opposite? Once we connect with the energy of passion, then we can attach that to something else to be passionate about, whether it's serving a great cause, whether it's you know standing for something that's meaningful. So I dare say passion is a raw energy that's inside of us. Once we connect to it, like we need to become passionate first before we can then become passionate about something else. So, you know, much like we all have all the emotions already inside of us, they're there. The question is, are we expressing them? So then the question might be, okay, if that's half true, how do we get in touch with the raw material energy of passion? And I would dare say our voice and our body. You know, we're all savage monkeys inside. We really are. Like, we're also like sophisticated intellects and like beautiful angelic people, but we're also savage, primal, passionate creatures inside. Uh, a lot of us don't express that, so we pretend we're not, but man, uh, we're, we're also savage. Uh, so I think there is a lot of therapeutic potential in helping us get in touch with our passions by using our bodies and our voices. So that might be exercise, preferably exercise where we can act like an ape, where we can scream, we can get out of control without hurting ourselves, whether that's tire flipping. I think that's one of the reasons why functional exercise is so big present day, because it's allowing us to use our bodies in a more primal way, it's more out of control, if you will, 
uh, I think in a way that we're designed to move, not just laying only on a bench, moving a bar up and down, but flipping a tire, throwing something, throwing something while we're screaming and grunting. Because when we do that, we can start to realize, wow, I'm, I'm actually expressing passion, which means I'm getting in touch with the passionate energy that's inside of me. You know, the workout doesn't create the passionate energy. The workout gives us a, an outlet to express the passionate energy, which means we find a connection to it so that we can then express it in the workout. So in my opinion, that, that, that doesn't mean we all need to become strong men and gym heroes, but it does mean I think we have a great opportunity to use our bodies in three dimensions as a way of connecting with this primal energy that is passion. I think it's one of the, the great gifts that we have inside of us when we are connected to passion, which I'm, basically what I'm saying is the workouts are the drill that can drill into this well of passion. It's like it trains our nervous system to access the passion that's always deep beneath our surface. So when we're drilling, through, dr drilling to it in a workout, we can then access that passion in other areas of our life. So we might be talking to our lover and like actually engaging with them with passion rather than indifference because we've trained our nervous system to access passion through working out. You know, we've drilled the well through our workouts. So, and it might be our business. It might be our art that now, wow, now I can access this well of passion that I couldn't before because I've drilled it with the workout by using my body and my voice in a, a real way. So anyway, I'm, I'm actually getting pretty passionate about talking about passion. So apparently, Ian, you can talk about passion too as a way of getting passionate or accessing passion. A lot of men listening seem to have the idea that to be a man, a true man, you need to be strong, dominant, you know, and just keep going head first into everything they'll never admit that they've got issues baggages or personal demons so how would you get through to somebody like that who's listening who's thinking oh i don't need counseling i don't need therapy i don't need to be vulnerable that's not for a real man what would you say to somebody like that yeah you know one i don't know that i could get through their head but if i was attempting to um I would want to pattern interrupt them. So I would share this perspective, which is uh, believing that we're, we're a strong, dominant man, you know, we're all put together. That's a very weak mindset. It really is. It's an incredibly self-limiting mindset, in my opinion, that's based on a, a fear-based mindset that wants to create a sense of certainty and control. So it's a very fear-based mindset. And why I say that is uh, growth, uh, growth is where we encounter the unknown. Growth uh, is where we encounter not the certain, but the mysterious. So if we have sold ourselves a fear-based story that says, yeah, I'm strong enough, I don't need to grow anymore, and I don't have any more room to grow, it basically means I'm afraid to grow. I don't believe any of us 
uh, don't have room to grow. I think growth is, in fact, a journey, not a destination. I think the potential of growth is infinite. I don't think any human being has mastered that. So when we create stories that justify an unwillingness to keep growing, and then we believe those stories that then leave us with a mindset and a belief that says, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have room to grow because I'm already strong uh, enough the way I am. It's really us saying, I am really scared. I am a- afraid of the unknown that growth will come up. I'm afraid of losing my delusional sense of certainty, which will absolutely happen with true growth. And in my opinion, it means I am afraid of encountering the wounding and the pain that I have inside that I'm currently unaware of if I were to consciously work on my growth. I think there's two types of people in this world, those who are wounded and those who are in denial of being wounded. I think our strength can only be as high as our wounding is deep. So I think it's very real and very necessary that we're all wounded inside. Now, some, a lot of us have probably healed a lot, but I also think there's a lot more to heal. And part of me would say, thank God that's true. Because if we didn't have anything else to heal, we, we couldn't get stronger. And to me, it's just like going to the gym and working out. When we're in the gym, we're actually wounding our muscle cells. We're breaking them down. We're actually wounding them. Because the law of nature has it, you have to wound it first, and then it'll grow stronger. So a lot of us have wounded muscle cells within our emotional bodies that need attention in order for us to um, uh, reap the benefits of growth from. But if we don't go there, if we don't pay attention to it, then we really have the belief it's not there, you know, wow, my whole past is taken care of, nothing else to be aware of. So, yeah, I, I, would, I would dare challenge the person to consider how long do you want to live in the fear-based mindset of weakness where you sit there and simply believe your own story, that you're strong and stable and that's all there is to you. Now, there's a belief out there that men fall into, you know, like one particular category of manhood, you know, the other, the fighter, the lover, etc. You know, are we really that restricted or are we, is it that we don't pay attention to the other sides of us and we end up forgetting how to do each of the sections? You know, that they're always there, but because we so, show so little time to them that we've forgotten how to utilize them and we just need to remember? Or are we just really one trick ponies? Yeah, you know, to me, wholeness is the goal, uh, which means becoming all of it is the goal. The lover, the warrior, the the person who can provide support, but also the, the person who can receive support. Uh, the person in control, but also the person who can surrender. So archetypally, there's, you know, some would say there's like four main archetypes for the masculine, the king, the warrior, the magician, and the lover. And I'm sure there's variations on that theory. But to me, the goal is to become a more whole person where all of those expressions are integrated into our lives. Uh, It's very comfortable to just pick the one that we're best at. 
And typically the one that we're best at is the one that we, we've been getting our emotional needs met. Um, so it might be, yeah, I'm the provider. It, it, when it, like I'm going to be the provider and nothing else. That, that's a, that's a cop out. That's a cop out to avoiding the, uh, the, um, challenging territory of being the tender lover to our partner and being the caring, sensitive father to our children. Uh, it basically, I'm the provider means I've learned to feel a sense of value by being the provider. It's comfortable to be the provider, but I think the real man seeks wholeness and the real man would say, yes, a provider is something that I do. And I am a lot more than that. So I'll continue being the provider at times. But how can I also be the sensitive one who's nurturing and receiving nurturing? That might not be the easiest. It not, might not be how we grew up getting our emotional needs met. But it is a challenge worth taking. And I dare say we deserve to challenge ourselves into growing into all these expressions and I would also say the people who we love most, who are closest to us, they deserve to have those aspects of us. They deserve better than just a one-dimensional expression from us where we are just playing a role, the provider in this case as the example, just playing the role and robbing our loved ones of the rest of us. You know, I, I think... Something we all probably know, at least in theory, we are not our roles. You know, we might be the provider, but like the provider is a role we're playing. Who we are is much more than just the role. And I think that's one of the reasons why wholeness is the goal. It, it, by allowing ourselves to be more than just one role, that's our way of helping ourselves go beyond the role so we can connect more to who we really are and share that with the people who matter most to us. Okay, so I think you've definitely got a lot of guys listening to this who are now thinking, okay, I need to start looking, you know, I'm being vulnerable and I need to start looking inside myself to see what's holding me back and what's where I can start looking for the passion and, you know, that sort of thing in my life. So, have you got three challenges that you'd recommend to all guys listening to this interview, you know, to start improving their lives right now? Yeah, yeah, um, I do. The three challenges, the first would be reiterating um, something I mentioned earlier, that the challenge of do the FF, the feel your freaking feelings meditation, connect to a body sensation uh, for five minutes every day. Uh, second would be Take action doing something you've never done. It's a pattern interrupt to our life. It's getting us out of our comfort zone. Take action on doing something you've never done that you feel challenged by. It might be a workout. It might be going skydiving. It might be starting a business. It might be uh, no beautiful wife of mine. I'll take the kids to school today. Let me make dinner. But Taking action, doing something you've never done would be the second. Um, number three would be hold eye contact with someone who you're close to for at least five minutes. 
Now that can make a lot of people just poop themselves. But and obviously we would want to ask our, our lover or family member, I'd like to do an exercise of holding eye contact with you for five minutes. Sounds weird. Yep, I understand that. Would you be willing? To me, that is a great challenge. And it's, it's shocking how little eye contact we hold with the people that we allegedly love the most. And uh, this is an exercise, uh, the eye-gazing exercise that I've, I've led groups of people doing. I certainly do it myself. My experience is that it's not comfortable. A lot of weird feelings come up. A lot of agitation to try to eyes dart away or just be done with it or laugh and uh, say this is stupid. But those are all ways we deflect from the intensity of the feelings that come up. So in my opinion, these are um, challenges of embodied action that can lead men to uh, become more whole. So what's your take on things like meditation, gratitude giving, you know, things of that nature? Are they nonsense or should all men be taking them on as a sort of daily challenge, a ritual, so to speak? Yeah, well, you know, in addition to the all the things we've mentioned so far, which I think do do have relevance to this question, you know, I, I do think regular practices, you mentioned meditation, that's something I endorse. I typically do 10 minutes of meditation in the morning. Uh, I only do 10 minutes because I'm not likely to do it if it's longer than 10 minutes myself. But but that's a it's a powerful way to start our day pretty connected to ourselves and relatively centered. Um, I think also feeling-based communication with the people around us. Uh, our, our friends and family, yes, but also other people around us. Like my, my assistant, Karen, who, you know, we're, yes, we're great friends, but also we're in a professional working relationship together. Her and I are constantly having feeling-based communication where it's not just not we're not just talking about our transactions in the business world, what's going on, what needs to be done. Yeah, that's important stuff. We got to talk about that. But also, uh, Karen, how do you feel about this? And you know, Karen, this happened, and here's how I feel about it. Or you know, the the way uh, the the schedule has been today that you built, Karen. I feel overwhelmed. Uh, by that. And it's challenging on me. And I, I'd like to talk about ways we can build the schedule differently uh, moving into the future. So feeling-based communication means we are sharing our feelings with other people. And we're holding space to have their feelings shared with us. I believe feeling-based communication, which is if we don't have feelings in our communication, we're not communicating. We're conversing, in my opinion. Conversing is a phenomenon from one brain to another. No feelings involved. But communication, it's, it's implying communion, which implies connection, which means, okay, feelings are the language of connection <laughs> in our uh, species and I think other species too. So... I think feeling-based communication 
absolutely has a place in our business, our family, our professional life, our personal uh, endeavors, our hobbies. I think it enriches everything. I think it brings new depth, uh, to be honest with you. So, uh, yeah, and I realize feeling-based communication, we could – there can be a whole class on it, and I've I've taught whole classes and retreats on feeling based communication. Uh, yet, uh, not not to uh, uh, oversimplify the vast topic of it by just sort of name name dropping it. Yet, I'd love to do people the justice of inviting them to be pointed at what I think is a great beneficial mountain to climb, which is being mindful to have some level of feeling-based communication. Um, and by the way, you know, romantic relationships, that's nothing, it is a death sentence to romantic relationships once our feelings are out of the equation. You know, otherwise we're just exchanging stories about uh, what's happening with our partner, stories created by our heads. So, the lang the language that is feelings that is the 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 potential for us to stay connected to our partner and deepen the connection that evaporates that connection potential evaporates when we're no longer engaged at a feeling level with our partners uh, that and that can mean like okay we're getting divorced we're breaking up or it can mean yeah we're we're still married. We're not connected. We're still married. Uh, we're just tolerating each other. And, and we're together out of convenience, not out of heartfelt connection. So I, I really can't say enough about how much I believe we can all benefit in all areas of our life by um, bringing in more feeling-based communication. I just love your outlook on things. You know, you say things that we should all know, but... We've managed to build up this world where we're so focused on our phones, on the latest notifications, on our Facebook statuses, you know, these kind of nonsense things. So, we, you know, we've grown up in a place now where we can order pretty much anything online, food, you know, um, movies. We can even order dates online. And we seem to have lost the ability to connect to people. Um, so as we age, men typically lose friends and we struggle to make new ones and we can become quite lonely in our, in our ways and build depression and things like that. So what advice would you give to somebody who wants to build stronger and deeper friendships? Yeah, you know, I think sincerity, vulnerability and being freaking real, uh, uh, it helps present the real us so that we can have the potential for a friend to connect to the real us. So always being the happy guy, always being the jokester, we can have friends, but they're not necessarily going to be deep friends. Uh, I, I think we got to be as real as we can in order to have real friends so that means, yeah, maybe sometimes we're the jokester, but other times we're in need and we need a shoulder maybe to cry on, maybe an ear to vent to, maybe someone to share our challenges with and help us problem solve. Um, so, you know, I, I look at with my friends and I'm not going to at all pretend to be 
a perfect shining example. Now I'm, I'm a blind man stumbling along, just struggling uh, to be as, as balanced as I can. So with that said, whatever degree of balance I have, which isn't much, and my friendships, you know, 90% of the time, you know, we're guys, we're joking around, we're, I, I'm telling jokes and trying to make everybody laugh and we're you're roughhousing, we're being immature, which is great. Like, I, I love that part of like, you know, friendships with other guys. But 10% of the time is when it gets real. You know, I, I had a you know, one of my best friends, we've been friends since we've been 12 years old. Uh, a few months ago, his brother died of a drug overdose. And, you know, his, his family had been through hell and back with his brother's addiction. And finally, he died of a drug overdose. And, um, you know, I, I'm on the f- uh, phone with my friend and, and he's, you know, he and I are used to joking around and, and he was you know, just wanting, yeah, you know, it's better this way. If, you know, we knew this was going to happen. You know, now my mom doesn't have to suffer, you know, uh, through all of his tumultuous, you know, drug addiction dealings. And I like I just wanted to be a a, a better friend to him than letting it go there. And I said to him, well, how are you really feeling under that? And, 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 you know, to me, a real friend at times will offer that. It's not what my friend wanted. I think he just wanted to glance over it and start talking about stuff that's comfortable. But even though it's not what he wanted, I think it's what he needed. And And it wasn't necessarily comfortable for me to ask him, like, well, yeah, how are you really doing? underneath that story but I loved my friend enough that I uh, I wanted to give him the best support that I could so being whole being real um, I, I think is how we we build friendships and honestly uh, guys who are, are not able to connect at you know real levels then they they won't be our real friends. We might they might be our acquaintances and have a beer with them once in a while, but they they may not be good candidates for a real friendship. But when we offer the full spectrum of being real at times, you know, being the jokester at times, uh, then we we essentially, in my opinion, have our hand reached out for the people who are ready to connect with us at a real friendship level, uh, we have our hand available for theirs. You know, all easier said than done. And honestly, there's no, you, know, you mentioned we can order a date online. You know, with all the dating apps where you can order a date online, there's no app that can order up a real friendship. There's no friendship connection site. Maybe there are friendship connection sites, but there there's no friendships connection site that will can guarantee us a real connection i think having the courage to offer a real connection is how we find real connection realizing that all that we offer it to uh won't be able to take us up on it well jp i could literally talk to you for hours more i've got pages of questions left but i know you're pushed for time so 
I know you'll have built up some new fans from people listening to this. So how can they keep in touch and see what you're up to, you know, and get in touch and, you know, become involved in the projects you're working on? Yeah, well, a great way to stay in touch is social media. My All my handles are Awaken with JP. You know, YouTube and Facebook are some of the prime places. I'm always publishing videos there. So Awaken with JP is a great place to connect and you know, my, my book, How to Be Ultra Spiritual, it's a satirical take of the new age uh, spiritual culture. And, and honestly, I'm not delusional that I think everybody needs the book. It's like, yeah, yeah if, if it, uh, the idea sounds entertaining to you, I care to have some laughs and also consider some deeper perspectives, then, yeah, grab the book if it vibes with you. Otherwise, you know, I don't want to brainwash anybody into thinking it's for them. And, uh, you know, Ian, I also want to say I, I really appreciate you uh, giving me the gift of a lot of these questions because I think the the way I framed my answers to the question, I kind of framed them in a teaching perspective, pretending that I'm talking to everybody who's listening and I'm teaching them. And uh, cool. I'm glad it came across that way so I can pretend I'm teaching other people. But truly, the gift of your questions is they've given me an opportunity for a deeper consideration and to hear my own answers because I do believe that one of the facts of life is we don't teach something unless we need to learn it. So me pretending to like, you know, kind of teach and share perspectives here, it's really at the heart of the matter. It's really me being able to learn uh, what I need to hear. So i appreciate this opportunity for my benefit Ian uh, so thank you brother thank you very much for those kind words JP I really appreciate it. I know you'll have helped a lot of guys listening and you've certainly helped me change my outlook on life for those guys who are listening and you've really enjoyed this podcast I would feel honored if you could leave me a review on iTunes or a comment on social media or even considering sharing it until next time keep reaching for that next level in your life that's it for another week thanks for listening absorb it practice it use it until next time keep trying to hit that next level in your life